Welcome back to Young Smart Money, show number 22 with me, your host, Apple Kreider, the show where we bring on young people who are doing cool stuff, either financially or entrepreneurially, and we interview them to get their best practices, their tips and tricks, and everything they learned along the journey to getting to where they're at today. So today we have a very special guest on the show. His name is Travis Hornsby from Student Loan Planner. And I, I ran into this guy at a conference called FinCon that I was at a couple months ago. And basically what Travis does is he started his own company. It's called Student Loan Planner, like I said. And what they do is they coach people who have between 50000 and $1 million of student loan debt on basically how to manage that and how to get that paid off and off of their shoulders. So they're, they're on a really cool mission, and it was really cool hearing from him at FinCon, so I had to follow up and, and, and ask him to be on the show because he provided a ton of value. He was on this panel with a bunch of lawyers, and they, they were really speaking some some very beneficial information on the status of, of student loans and the whole crisis that we're going through right now. So really today in the show, what we do is we break down the crisis, how we got here, and really what's going to happen next, because really what we are in is, is a bubble, and it's going to pop eventually, so that's really what we talk about in the show. Without further ado, let's just bring Travis on and hear what he has to say and hear what is going on with student loans. Travis, thank you so much for joining us today on Young Smart Money. Could you just give the audience sort of a brief overview about who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of the Student Loan Planner, the largest student loan consulting company in the country. Uh, we've advised about 375 million of student loan debt for about 1,400 borrowers. So it's almost real money, right? <laughs> so what is what is your average client look like with Student Loan Planner? So I'm, I'm sure there's people ranging from from all across the gamut. So can you sort of just give us an overview of like, who's the average person that you're working with? What is their situation? Yeah, so we help people with 50,000 to a million dollars of student loan debt mostly. Um, yeah, our average clients got about 280,000 of student loan debt and we really help people once they've already accrued the debt for the most part, we do a little bit of pre-debt consulting for people. It's not a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, but so our average client is really somebody that went to vet, vet school, med school, dental school, law school, something like that. Most of them have graduate degrees. Occasionally we'll have a, a parent that has six figures of loans from, from taking out loans for their kids undergraduate, right? So a lot of your, uh, you know, viewers are mm -hmm. in college or high school thinking about going to a, uh, you know, maybe an expensive school. The undergrad folks have capped loan limits. You can't take out more than a certain amount, but the parent plus loans are uncapped, meaning that the, your parents can take out anything that they want to cover your undergraduate program. So mm -hmm. we frequently see parents in deep distress from taking out uncapped borrowing for like multiple children. And then mm. if, if you're the actual borrower, the way you can get screwed over is if you really go to graduate school. And because in graduate school, the borrowing is unlimited. And so the schools know this. And so they charge you like anything they want to charge you, right? So that's why a lot of our veterinarians, like they might have 70,000 of income, but they have $300,000 of student loan debt, Jeez. right? Or a dentist will have 150,000 of income, which sounds great, but they'll have 500,000 of student loan debt. <sighs> that's, that's an absurd, I can't even, I, I, I cannot even fathom that amount of debt. How, how does somebody get to that point? So how does somebody who is in school get to the point where they're taking out 500,000, a million dollars of loans? Like how, how does this even happen in the first place? Well, so in, in 2006, Congress passed this thing that allowed a limited borrowing, right? So, so basically, all the borrowers can get as much as they want, and the schools figure this out. <laughs> so the graduate schools just decided, well, you know, if we have unlimited loans that people can borrow, and you can pay it based off of your income, it's called income-based repayment, mm -hmm. the price of the tuition no longer is important. If I'm going to pay the same amount of money on my loans, always 15% of my income or 10% of my income, I don't care how much I owe, right? 
it's just it's just irrelevant. So the school started to charge basically an increasing amount of like five or six percent increases every year. So you know, vet school back in the day it might have cost like a hundred thousand dollars. Veterinarian might have made like you know sixty to eighty thousand or something like that. It's mm-hmm. that's tough. That's doable. Yeah. You can pay that back. And now you know. Uh, one year of vet school might cost like 80 grand. You know, if you include the tuition, which might be like 60 and then living expenses, which might be 20. And so you'll take out 80 grand and that's for four years. So that's 80 grand over four years. So <laughs> times four, that's 320,000. On top of that, you have accrued interest. So an undergraduate, you don't accrue interest a, a lot of the times mm-hmm. while you're in school. Sometimes you do, yeah. but, uh, but it's, it's modest. But in grad school, you're accruing like 7% interest every single year. So that's how 320 can turn into like 400,000, you know, over four years of vet school. And the same is true for other programs. Basically, if you want to do any professional degree program these days, you have to take out a massive amount of student loan debt uh, for most institutions. Most in-state public universities even still now charge a massive amount of money to go to school and get your degree program. So for your list, for your viewers, you know, a lot of your viewers are probably thinking, my life's dream is to become a pharmacist, right? Yeah. I, w- I want to become a lawyer. Oh, I want to become a physician, right? I want to mm-hmm. become a dentist or whatever. My suggestion is that you stop and you think extremely hard about this career decision. Yeah. There's a bubble in student loan debt. It's going to pop at some point. It's going to be really, really bad for the economy and for the professions that, that are dealing with this. And so you do not want to get yourself caught up into a situation where you're one of these people that is stuck with, you know, a massive amount of student loan debt and no options for your life, right? Now we can, there's strategies, like what we do is like we figure out the strategies that do exist to make sure people pay as little as possible in their student loan debt, mm-hmm. save a lot of money. So like our typical client saves maybe about fifty to $60,000 projected wow. over the 20 to 25 years they're paying their loans. So 20 there's- to 25 years, that's absurd. That is, that's, right, yeah. that's so long. So just know that if you want to go be one of those professions that we talked about, like you're going to have this 20 to 25 year loan repayment after graduate school. So if you don't want to deal with that, like, you know, if you're kind of unsure about what you want to do in life, the worst thing you can do is go take on a lot of student loan debt, right? Yeah. Save, go like work somewhere, like save 20 grand and then quit your job and go travel for a year. Like you're going to, you're going to find out a lot of stuff about yourself. You're going to learn a lot of new things you never thought about before. You're going to learn different jobs that people are doing that you never realized are possible, right? And so then maybe maybe you'll have opportunities that you never thought about before. Now exactly. you can still, yeah, you can still do those professions. I don't, I don't want to hate on those professions. Yeah, yeah. If your dream is to become, you know, a, uh, a chiropractor or something, or not, that's a bad example, but, <laughs> you know, maybe like uh, your dream is to become uh, a physician you know, or something, a physician, right? So, so I say it's not chiropractor because like that, there's a couple professions these days that the economics of the profession are just absolutely absurd. Like yeah. there's no legitimate reason why you would want to become a chiropractor financially. It's just, yeah. it does not make sense. Now, a lot of physicians say that too, but you know, <laughs> if, if you want to be a physician, the only way that I would tell somebody that I love to be a physician is if they could get into an in-state low cost public uh, university. Yeah you can't you can you can be a physician but just know that your finances are going to be extremely stressed and and you know the public service loan forgiveness program that exists right now a lot mm-hmm. of people are u- utilizing that and depending on that for their loans to to not have to worry about them in the future that program is probably going to go away at some point 
So for a lot of your list, uh, your viewers that are in high school and college, you know, they need to be very careful when they apply to these kind of programs to make sure that the loan forgiveness programs that, that exist today will still exist for them when they graduate. Right. All right. So a couple of quick questions here just to clarify. First of which is how was this justified? Okay. So how did Congress justify unlimited borrowing? That just sounds like such a, a terrible, terrible idea. Like terrible what was what's the rationale there? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, obviously they, Congress had the legitimate policy goal of increasing access to professional programs. Sure. So if you're not rich, it's difficult to go borrow a hundred thousand dollars to become a veterinarian, right? Yeah. If you're like a first generation college student, you might not get a bank loan for a hundred thousand dollars to go become a, a, you know, a chiropractor or a physician or, a, mm -hmm. you know, whatever pharmacist lawyer. So what they decided to do is rather than allow these people to be uh, rather than putting a cap. So if they put a cap on federal borrowing, then private banks would have come in and, and probably offered some predatory loans. to people. Yeah. And so they didn't want that to happen. And so they thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll just make it, you know, uncapped borrowing. So, so we'll, that way that anything that people need, they can get access to very well intentioned. Right. Okay. The problem, the problem is like, they just didn't think about human nature and human incentives. Yeah. So if you make something uncapped, then what the colleges do is they don't look at that and say, okay, great, like this is wonderful. We can increase access. We'll expand the number of seats in our class uh, to get more revenue that way in an ethical way. No, they think, how can I profit maximize? How can I grow my, my, you know, my college and professional school to the biggest level it can be? How yeah. do I give as, as large bonuses to my faculty and staff as I can and do more research with the faculty and staff so I can move up the U.S. news rankings? Like that's yep. what they care about, right? So if there's no capped bar borrowing, then the deans of these universities and the presidents of these universities just said, well, let's raise prices. And so you've, you basically saw a massive acceleration of this after they passed that law. Um, and then the other thing, and that was in 2006, 2007, they passed the income-based repayment option. Mm -hmm. So now you had un unlimited borrowing. Well, you can have unlimited borrowing, but if people actually have to pay it back, then that's, that's kind of a cap in and of itself, right? Yeah. But if you can pay based on your income, there's no more tie to the actual cost of the university. So, those so how, did, how did those plans work? Can you break those down for our listeners? Sure. You said the, the two ones that most people need to use, it's called pay as you earn or okay. advised pay as you earn. Those are the two plans that most people need to use. Those are 10% of your income. It's, it's pretty complicated to delve into the details of it. Okay. You, okay. If you want, but basically you pay 10% of your income. And if you're working at a not-for-profit or government employer, you only have to do that for 10 years and then you're done. There's no taxes. It's just you. It's wiped away. It's you. You get your loan forgiven. Okay. If uh, if it's you do that for twenty to twenty five years, then you actually have to pay taxes on the loan forgiveness because you're. If you do it for twenty to twenty five years, that means you're working in the private sector. Does that make sense? Okay. So okay. not for profit government sector, the best. Ten private years. sector, yeah, ten years. Private sector, twenty to twenty five years. Not great, but not terrible. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, the only reason that you would actually pay your loans back. <laughs> these days is if 10% of your income is actually like kind of a high amount of money relative to what you actually owe. Mm. So for example, if, if you're making say a hundred thousand dollars as a YouTube star, right. And you have uh, you know, 20,000 of student loan debt. Well, 10% mm -hmm. of your income is actually like pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. And relative to your debt. So in that case, maybe you have 20,000 of loans at like a 6%. In that case, you'd want to use like a bonus link to like kind of like the travel hacking for credit cards, you get a cashback bonus for refinancing your student loans. Mm -hmm. So you move your loans from the government to a private lender, which will give you a lower interest rate because they're like, wow, you know, Apple's making $100,000 a year relative to his $20,000 of student loan debt. He's a great credit risk. 
he's getting a too high of an interest rate with the government, we're going to give him a lower interest rate. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, is that the same thing as the public student loan forgiveness program that you were mentioned earlier or are those different well, so things? Those are different. So the public, it's actually public service loan forgiveness. Public service. Okay. Yeah. And so the public service loan forgiveness is that 10 year program that I talked about. Okay. So okay. It, it's a 10 year. That's the most generous plan. That's the one that people should really be paying attention to if they're looking for a career in public service and you should not, this is important. You should not go to graduate school unless your loan promissory note that you sign has that in the note. Like unless you have public service loan forgiveness in your loan note and you want to do a public career, public service career, okay. do not go to grad school. Interesting. You know, Interesting. So you're saying, yeah. so what if somebody's going to work in the private sector and so this wouldn't be in their, in their loan document, um, correct? Well, it's just not going to apply to them, right? Okay, so okay. If they're, they're going to be in the private sector. That's that 20 to 25 year payment period. Mm -hmm. It's a longer payment period and you have to pay income tax on the forgiven debt. Okay. So that can actually work out well, as crazy as that sounds. So that better, the veterinarian that has 70,000 of income, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're paying like, five or six hundred dollars a month towards their student loan debt mm -hmm. over 20 years that might be like 140,000 yeah well so say they owe 400,000 so you know 140,000 and then maybe they have that 400,000 becomes you know double that and then you have to pay yeah. yeah you have to pay income tax on that so you have to pay another say 300,000 in taxes in 20 years so that combined you know is like four hundred forty thousand dollars let's say Mm -hmm. So, but if that veterinarian owed $400,000 today, would you rather pay 440,000 over 20 years where most of that's coming at the end of that period? Or would you rather pay that 10 year standard plan where you're paying 5,000 a month? Mm. Right? So that's why the math can really be super advantageous to that veterinarian paying over a long period of time and going for loan forgiveness, even though those tax consequences exist. So for the tax consequences, you basically have to put some money aside into an investment account so that you can cover that in the future. Mm -hmm. So you put like $500 a month in an investment account, you know, like Wealthfront or Betterment, and then you just put that aside automatically. To just build up that over time so that once you yeah. do get to like that big balloon payment of all the income tax, you just have yeah. that all set aside. Yeah, and let's talk about what's gonna happen to the country for a second. So what, oh, do you think please all, do. what do you think all these people are doing? Do you think they're putting the money aside or do you think they're ignoring it? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. With a savings rate of like 2%, I'm sure we're doing a great job at that. Yeah. So, so since, pe yeah, so since people are ignoring it, what's going to happen is, you know, you've got 1.5 trillion in student loan debt. At some point, people, the country's going to go, owe income taxes and, you know, over a trillion dollars probably. Um, so in other words, you're going to have this start rolling off where people have to pay for the taxes on the forgiveness. So you're, you're going to get public service loan forgiveness, which is going to forgive a lot of debt of this 1.5 trillion. It's going to forgive it tax-free, a portion of it. And then the other, another portion of it is going to be forgiven. They're going to have to pay income tax. So the IRS is going to have to collect hundreds of billions of dollars in, in phantom income. So they're going to have to choose between, you know, seizing someone's house and collect, you know, and, and that, that's what they're really going to have to do. Uh, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a mess. They're going to seize people's bank accounts, you know, uh, taxable brokerage accounts, all these different things. So is Congress going to, what is Congress going to do? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, like Congress is not setting aside any money for this either. So Congress and all of its budget <laughs> proposals has yeah. the student loan program as being a profit center, which to me is hilarious because, <laughs> you know, the, 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 um, all the, all the government reports that have been coming out basically have said, wow, like we really screwed up <laughs> because yeah. they didn't realize that schools would just raise the prices if they made it unlimited borrowing 
they didn't realize that like this public service loan forgiveness thing would cost hundreds of billions of dollars instead of just a few billion dollars. And they didn't realize that student loan forgiveness, you know, the, the private sector version is going to frankly cost a lot of money because people won't be able to afford to pay the tax bills. So it's uh, it's a definitely, it's kind of like, you know, like uh, this doesn't really apply to your viewers, but like the pension time bomb, like if you mm -hmm. ever hear stuff about like pensions going bankrupt, retirement savings, like crisis that's imminent, like it's kind of like that, but for our generation, like the student loan crisis. So, um, so it's just, it's interesting. Like the people who are successful with this are the people who they made the bad mistake or they made the decision and they have all the debt, but now they need to put away a ton of money for retirement. So if, as long as you have a high savings rate, even if you make a bad decision with your student loan debt, you'll still be okay. So okay. that's, that's the good news. Like I've never seen a situation that's so bad where somebody can't fix it. It just requires like sacrifice. You can't go get a car alone. You can't go buy a house. It's more than two times your income. You know, you can't, mm -hmm make a lot of credit card fueled spending decisions. So like, as long as you're willing to make some sacrifices, even if you have this terrible debt situation, you can fix it. Now for, for your audience, let's talk to the people that are just under wanting to do undergrad only. Yeah. So if, if that's, if that's you, I mean, keep your debt low and get rid of it quickly. You know, try to try to realize, I think that there's some value in it. There's a value in a bachelor's degree, I think. Oh yeah. From, you know, from an employer's perspective, obviously you have to have a certain credential to get a certain specific job. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you know, if you're going to go get a bachelor's degree, like I would suggest to people, like go to the cheapest in-state public university that's that's still prestigious, right? So, yeah. like for, for example, like I don't know what what state do you live in, Apple? I live in Minnesota. I go to school in Wisconsin because we have reciprocity going on. Okay, yeah. So if I lived in one of those two states, I would go to the University of Wisconsin or University of Minnesota. Exactly. Right? Um, and you're going to get a good education. You're going to get in-state tuition. You're going to come out owing a modest amount of debt, and you're also going to have a really respected degree that you're going to have people around the country that are going to have those degrees uh, that you'll be able to network with. So like I went to the University of Florida, I mm -hmm. see people in every state, every industry that have uh, that degree. And uh, just because it's a huge school and, yeah. you know, and people have a lot of pride in it. They have a lot of pride in the athletics and the football team. And, and it's, you know, it's rated well enough. It's not a Harvard or anything, but it's, mm -hmm. it's good enough. So, I mean, if, if you have the money to go to a Princeton or a Harvard, like, sure, go. Yeah. Uh, but if it's frankly anything below those kind of schools, like I would say it's not worth it. So you yeah. try to come out owing less than 30,000 uh, oh. student, lo student loan debt, you know, for sure. Yeah. And my situation. So basically I chose between the, the schools that I got accepted to were either the university of Ma university of Wisconsin, Madison, or this like prestigious school on the East coast that would have charged me um, probably about four times, three or four times what I'm paying for tuition here. And like I, I thought that would have been a good school. It's, it looked like a really good school, but just assessing the cost and the benefits there, I didn't think that education would be three times more valuable and that it would be worth to take out three times as much in loans as it would to go to a, a very good school locally um, yeah. that, that would provide me with a very, very nice education. And I'd come out with a, a very similar degree at either location. So I, I think that's assessing the cost and benefits is something that I think not a lot of, of high schoolers do. A lot of my friends that I was talking to when we were graduating from high school, they were sort of talking about how prestigious of a school they could get accepted into, not really thinking yeah. about the price, just thinking like, oh, I can get loans for that. Like, it's not going to be a big deal. I'll think about that when I'm 40. Um, but in, in the grand scheme of things, I think that's really important. What you said is looking at the, the cost versus what you're going to get out of each of these things. And, yeah. and a, a prestigious like in-state school, that's, that's nothing to... to be hesitant to, to take yeah and get scholarships like you know yeah. you get all kinds of scholarships i actually got paid to go to school uh just to, yeah you know i mean and but that wasn't because i was 
amazing is just because I went to a school that was like, you know, my, my scores were well above average for the school that I went to. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I'd gone to a school where I was just like the median student, they don't have any reason to give me any scholarships. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, so for, for folks, I mean, also, you know, I, I would have never thought this, but when you have, um, less debt, you can take more risk and it's, it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, obviously started student loan planner, you know, yeah. we've got a team of four consultants, we've got writers, we've got different people like, that's cool. I never would have thought that I would have ever done that. And if I had gone to like a prestigious university, like in the Northeast or something, then I would probably be, you know, investment banking. And instead of working, you know, I would be making maybe the same amount of money, but working like 80, 90 hours a week, yeah. working like whatever I want to. And, owning and not business. impacting people in the way that you are right now. Cause like you, right. you're making a huge, huge impact on the people you work with. Whereas if you're an investment banker, sure, you might be helping some people out, but honestly, you're, you're not really making those connections. Yeah, really yeah, you're, helping not, people. You're, you're definitely not saving the world. Yeah, no, like. not at all. Not <laughs> but, at all. Yeah. So I mean, like if, if a lot of the folks that are watching, I mean, I think that you just have to think, you know, how do you have the most options in your life possible? So that means like as little debt as you can take advantage of every opportunity. If you're going to one of these big schools, you know, if you show up and you take advantage of the resources, you'll be able to get a similar experience to a prestigious university. You know, you can get a, you know, like I, I, I've had, um, you know, lunch with like, or Sandra Day O'Connor, you know, at, at UF, like I talked to people for like prestigious people from Harvard that were doing guest speaking. I went on like, vacation with a u.s senator and stuff like it's just kind of crazy Dang. well you know i mean and and, it, and that, that's not because i'm so amazing either mm -hmm. it's because these prestigious people would come speak at the university and they would send out like invitations for students to come listen and i was one of the people that showed up yeah you know so that's the same thing for uh for for your you know viewers like if you know if they have these prestigious speakers on campus and they have interesting things going on like go show up like actually be there uh, and ask questions and go talk to them after the, the, you know, this, the presentation and, you know, people love helping undergrads. Like, you know, mm -hmm. people love making an impact to college students. So, uh, take advantage of all these free resources and don't necessarily just go to this, you know, big private school. Like the, like I, I have this funny story. So I had this pharmacist who had like 300,000 in student loan debt okay. made like, you know, a hundred thousand a year. And he said, you know, Travis, he's like, you know, the, the interesting thing with my student loan debt, he said, you would have thought that for $300,000, the pharmacy school I went to would have had gold plated toilets to crap it. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I like laughed and, and he's like, yeah, you, yeah. He's like, you know, you'd think they would have had, you know, marble floors and beautiful, you know, beautiful hallways and, you know, this wonderful library that made us feel so successful about the weather, where we're going in our lives. He's like, no, he's like, the toilets were disgusting. The bathrooms were never kept well. The Wi-Fi always <laughs> fell apart, didn't work. The, the professors were just like so-so. Like he's like, it was honestly like terrible. <laughs> so, uh, so he's like, so you know, unless you're going to that Harvard, you know, Stanford, Yale kind of place, mm -hmm. the value you receive for the money you pay is is not going to be there. You're not going to get the ROI. Yeah. So, uh, and if, and if you're, you know, multimillionaire, you can spend 200 K on school. Sure. Great. You know, but, but most people aren't. Yeah, exactly. So has there been talk at all of like imposing limits that schools can charge, like increasing like only 2% or 3% from year to year in their tuition? Um, is that thing, something that's even been like talked about? Because it seems like if the, the loans are unlimited and the, the, the price of education is also unlimited, there might be kind of like an issue there like we're seeing with the schools just driving the prices up and up and up. Um, yeah, so has there so been talk of that at all? 
Yes, yeah, so there is there is a, uh, a proposal with uh, it's called the Prosper Act that would put a cap on graduate school borrowing. Okay. I think it's a little around it's around two hundred twenty thousand, give or take. Okay. Uh, so that so we would place a cap on borrowing. It would make paying back your loans a little bit more expensive. Mm. So that that would that would hurt a lot of programs because a lot of people would not be able to go to the university that they're currently at with the but that would be capping the borrowing and not the actual tuition cost yeah there's never been a talk of, of tap of, of capping the allowable increase uh, in mm. tuition every year. okay that's never been a discussion but okay but if they if they pass the prosper act they would reduce the growth of tuition there's no question yes. uh but it would also have some serious impacts and create some some unique problems mm-hmm. uh the flip side of that is there's also another proposal so that's the republican party's proposal the okay. democratic proposal is called the aim higher act and that's something that would actually make people at the low end of the income spectrum pay even less on their student loans. And it would cause people at kind of the higher income spectrum to pay more on their student loans. So similar in to the way that we do our taxes, mm-hmm. uh, but it would not put any caps on borrowing. So it would unfortunately not uh, do anything to uh, change the, the, you know, the, the problem that we have right now. Okay. So, you know, I, I think both, prob- both proposals have problems with it. The Republican proposal would probably cause a crash. Uh, now in the higher education system, the democratic proposal would prevent that right now, but it would probably make the program or the problem uh, perhaps even worse. Okay. So what, if, if we're talking to a high school student here, maybe a junior or a senior who is thinking about going to college next year and, and they're not really sure even where to start with their whole student loan, figuring out like what they need to do, who, where they should be getting their loans from, like what they even should be looking for in the first place, where, where should people start? Like, what are, what are some places where people can start like learning about these resources or really just like, what are some key terms that people need to be aware of? Well, don't, don't be shy about doing like ROTC or something like that. I mean, okay. if you want to go, if you want to go to a school and come out with no debt and just to have an interesting experience, like and go to a prestigious school, then I would say do that. Like, and that's kind of a, a gut test for how much you really care about going to that school. <laughs> so like, if you, if you love it enough, you, you know, to go to, you know, be, be on a, uh, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, situation like that, then, then, you know, you'd be in a, in good shape. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, if, if you don't love it enough to join the ROTC program, maybe you should go to the cheaper school. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that that's one thing. I mean, scholarships are super important. Like we talked about, uh, applying to, there's a lot of prestigious scholarships. A lot of universities will have okay. So mo- most universities will have some sort of, uh, you know, like college scholarship for the top, uh, freshmen, you know, applicants that you have to apply for and get, you know, recommendation letters from, from professors or sorry, yeah, from teachers and things mm-hmm. like that. So, so look up that, like, I, that's one of the ones that I got. Um, and I never would have got it had I not, you know, taken, you know, learned about it in junior year, mm-hmm. prepared myself to apply for it in senior year. And then I had a pretty good, you know, shot at getting it because I've been planning for it for a couple of years. So that's, that's another thing with scholarships. And then finally, just, um, you know, going and visiting the campuses of these places, like yeah. go, go for a visit, you know, to your state flagship university and, and realize like, in my opinion, the best bang for your buck is always going to be the, the state flagship uh, university campus. I mean, you can do community college as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there's as much of a benefit as doing two years of community college and then two years of, of uh, the state university mm-hmm. uh, as there is from choosing the state university instead of the private university. Okay. Um, so as far as student loans go, can you sort of outline the difference between public and private loans and when somebody should be getting either one of those? Well, private, I mean, private student loans are, are, are difficult to get, uh, 
well, they're just tough to pay back. Okay. Um, because How so? Well, you don't have any forgiveness plans. You don't have any income-based repayment. You just got to pay it back. So mm-hmm. I would not, I would generally tell people to be very, very cautious about taking up private student loan debt. Now, if, if you're not going to go to grad school and you're going to take out um, like 30K or 40K or something, then rather than have your parent do the Parent PLUS program, the private student loans will probably be better. Okay. Can you, can you explain Parent PLUS? Parent PLUS is uh, basically it's about 7.5% interest rate. So okay. it's, pretty, it's pretty high. It's usually like the last option that people suggest to you, but, but the, the financial aid office is not going to apply for loans for you. You have to have your parent apply as a co-signer for you for private student loans. So I would say like you want to always maximize your own Stafford loans first. So mm-hmm. take, out, take out all of the Stafford loans that you can first. And it's can you explain good. Stafford loans really quick? Yeah, Stafford loans have pretty low limits for undergrads. I think okay. it's like maybe like $5,000 a year or something like that. I have to double check, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's, it's very low. So you're going to hit your Stafford loan limits like right away. Okay. And so once you've hit your Stafford loan limits, then you might consider um, taking out either the Parent PLUS loans to fill the gap if your mm-hmm. parents can help you, or you would take out private loans and have your parents co-sign. And you would only take out the private loans if your interest rate is lower than the Parent PLUS loans. Okay. Okay, so it really just comes down to interest rates and, and yeah. which one they can get the better rate on? Yeah, assume, assuming you have no plans for graduate school. Okay. If you, if, you, if you have plans for graduate school, keep all of your loans federal. You know, don't take out any private loan debt. Take because everything. then you can get the repayment plans and, yeah, and exactly. do the income-based. Yeah, because you're probably going to graduate grad school and have a ton of federal debt too, and you can try to put it all in the same strategy once you have that massive debt load. And that's assuming that the program doesn't fall apart um, yeah, because that's true. well, the, yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario is, is that you will at least know if you're going to get access to the programs when you go to graduate school. Yeah. Like once, once you're bef- before you make that jump, you're going to know. One okay. Way or the other. Okay. Okay. That totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, so I've got a couple more questions that I like to ask all of my guests just to keep it. I, I don't know. They're sort of selfish questions that I just like to know the answers to. Yeah, um, sure. Awesome. So the first of which is how, how do you actually stay motivated? So I know you have your own business, you're, you're running this, you're helping people out every single day. How do you stay motivated to get up and get after it every single day? Um, just realizing how bad the problem is. Uh, so I mean, to be honest with you, I get some very disturbing uh, emails sometimes for people that are like suffering from depression that are suicidal over their student loan debt. Jeez. So it's a little bit of is it an obligation. Like I have to help people because if I don't help people, who's going to help people? Yeah. You know? so, so that's part of it. And then, you know, from a business standpoint, um, just realizing that it's like, it's going to be okay. Like as long as I keep like an emergency fund for my business, so like I can always cut expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I can always right size things where it's going to work out. Like, so sometimes you inevitably will have ups and downs in a business where you're feeling like the sky is falling or you're on top of the world and just realize that it's probably somewhere in between there. So, um, and, and you know, I'm passionate about what I do. Cause like I genuinely am changing people's lives. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, still only been around for like, a uh, couple years and we've already helped, like I said, a massive amount of people. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so it's exciting to have results. Like if, if you're having results of what you do, uh, you just have to keep your head up and, and keep motivated and, and keep at it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So next question, um, have there been any books that have really had a big impact on you, whether that be professional or personal, you can really take this in whatever direction you want. I mean, everybody mentions the millionaire next door, yep. uh, just cause it, it talks about, realizing that, you know, it's, it's not what you uh, make, it's what you keep. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and probably, um, you know, Mr. Money Mustache, of course, the financial independence, uh, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of, of some other ones. Um, 
I think that's probably the the main the main couple. I mean, I, I also like Millennial Re- Millennial Revolution. Millennial Revolution. All yeah, right. Millennial Dash Revolution dot com. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're pretty interesting. They uh, attack homeownership relentlessly. Mm. They're like homeownership is is a ridiculous thing to do in a lot of countries. <laughs> so they just make fun. They, they're really they're humorous. They make fun of people that buy houses. They're interesting. Like, you know, they call them like like uh, like house suckers or something. I don't know. They're they're, they're pretty funny. I'll have um, to check it out. Yeah. Cool. Um. Do you have any habits that have served you particularly well? Again, that could be either business related or just like lifestyle related. Mm, um, just trying a lot of things and being yep. uh, uh, ideation is one of my strengths to coming Ooh. up with a lot of ideas and trying things. Yeah. That's that's weakness as well because obviously if you have too many ideas, you can spread yourself thin. Yep. Um, but that's probably what has allowed us to succeed overall is like, I'm always trying to come up with new, uh, new things to try. And, and, um, you know, it, it keeps us successful enough. Like the, the, you know, I'm not, I'm not a visionary. I'm not a, I'm mm-hmm. not a Zuckerberg or a Musk or something <laughs> like that, but you know, that's the thing is like, can you help people? Can you be successful enough for what you want in life? I think that's yeah. that you have to try to keep, keep uh, mindful of. Yeah. It's all about just figuring out where, where you're trying to go and what you can do to get yourself closer to that point and move towards it every single day. Um, all right. So the last question is just where could people find out more about you, find out more about student loan planner and just really, what are some good resources that you have that you can provide to people um, who yeah. are looking to learn more about student loan forgiveness and, and student loan planning? Yeah. I mean, so just go to studentloanplanner.com and uh, sign up for uh, our calculator that we, we have. So we have this uh, Excel spreadsheet that's pretty detailed uh, and you can actually put in all kinds of different uh, income uh, and debt numbers and see like what the cost of that would be. And so that's, that's a free resource. They just have to visit our, our website, studentloanplanner.com. Nice. Click on the, the, the calculator tab and the menu bar and you can sign up for it. It's pretty cool. Straightforward. And then, so you'll also get kind of updates on the student loan landscape, what things are going on and, you know, different, different things about certain professions that are doing well or not doing well. Um, so that'll, that'll probably be the best way for people to, to find out about us. And you get uh, to put out a good amount of content too over there, right? Yeah, we, we, we just hired some writers. I put out a lot of content. The team does as well. So we're always putting, putting out different things from different angles, covering all kinds of different professions. So I think that if, if you know, certainly if somebody's not already in graduate school, it'd be a super interesting thing to, to follow, just to read and see what's happening to all these professional schools uh, that are changing and in some cases falling apart before our eyes. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, Travis, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your time. And I know I definitely learned a lot about the status of, of student loans right now and, and a lot of different things about sort of the whole the whole crisis that's going on, honestly. Um, so thank you very much for your time and sharing your information with us. Um, I'm sure it benefited a ton of our listeners today. Um, so just thank you very much again for, for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Apple. Guys, thank you so much for sticking around with the podcast today. I know I learned so much about student loans from Travis as far as just the logistics behind them, all the different repayment plans and and how those actually work and, and why those might not be around for so much longer. And I hope you guys did as well. I know there was there was a ton of value here, and I'm definitely going to go back through and take some notes now. Next week, we've got somebody really, really exciting coming on the show, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is credit and building your credit. So stay tuned for that, and in the meantime, 
got some resources to send your way if you are at all interested. The first of which is my YouTube channel. It's just Apple Crater. It's another way for you to find this podcast. It's published there and on the podcast Young Smart Money. Additionally, uh, my website, applecrater.com, you can find a ton of free resources there as well. And then lastly, my Instagram, it's at applecraterofficial, really putting in work over there, trying to grow that up, build my presence on the platform, putting out a ton, a ton of valuable content, three posts every single day, um, really engaging stuff, really valuable content under that motivational quotes, um, BS. Um, I, I'm, I'm providing strictly value on, on that page. So definitely check it out, drop a follow. It's really blowing up lately. So definitely, definitely, if you want to be a part of it there, feel free to follow me there. Anyways, thank you guys very much again for sticking around for the episode. I, I hope you got a ton of value out of it and I'll see you in the next one.